fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we're talking about artifact token generation and whether or not the abundance of it has been a boon or a curse in Commander. But before all that, we have our upkeep trigger to do here. We want to thank all of our patrons. Uh, you guys help keep the lights on here in the studio. Uh, and keep us fed, essentially. If you want to help support the show directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash commanderatarms. I almost forgot our URL link there. Uh, it's been like 82 episodes, and uh, yeah, that's the first time I've had a brain fart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have three tiers in there. We've got some special stuff coming up for patrons very shortly, which you guys will get uh, access to before the general public. Uh, So keep notified on that. If you want to know what that is before everybody else, go and sub to the Patreon. Helps us out. Helps you out. Uh, We have Mail Day and Interesting Finds. Paul, have you found anything interesting or did you buy anything interesting over this period because um i didn't know but someone had a birthday yesterday yeah that was me uh it was my birthday yesterday uh january 18th is yesterday at the time of recording um i got some birthday gifts so first of all i got an email that my ferocious foil bundle shipped okay so hoping to get my stranger things stuff relatively soon uh but also yesterday for my birthday I uh I got some uh some some magic stuff. So uh I got the vampire precon, the commander deck. Um <clears throat> I also got some packs. And specifically I got 18 packs of Crimson Vow, including two collector's packs. And I also got two packs of Zendikar Rising. Uh, out of Zendikar Rising, I think the only thing I got that was really good was I got a, another copy of Morag, Fury of Akum, which is always a nice card to have. And out of my Crimson... I said Crimson Moon again. I always say that. Crimson Vow. That's that's what I want to say. Out of my Crimson Vow packs, I got a Necro Duality. I got a Foil Dollhouse of Horrors. I got a Foil by Invitation Only, which I think is one of the best cards from that set. I got a Foil Showcase Cemetery Gatekeeper. I got a Foil Curse of Hospitality, a card that I I think I predicted was going to be banned, or that is a card that is not good for the format from this uh, that set. Uh, I got a Showcase, like, black and white Thalia Guardian of Thraven. Pretty cool. And I got the Showcase, like, uh, Dracula-flavored Henrika Domnathi. And Eruth. Those are both Dracula flavored, by the way. The showcases, by the way. Uh, so honestly, I got, uh, I think I got like seven or eight mythics out of two bundles, which is kind of crazy. Dang. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, basically, a lot of car. I-, I could basically use every rare and or mythic that I pulled, uh, which is not something that I can say every time I open packs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, going back there really quickly, uh... The Owl Invitation Only, that's the, the the white card that says you can sack between uh, 0 and 13. Is it non-land creatures or creatures or whatever? Creatures, just creatures. Yeah, we actually had a uh, a comment on our, one of our, our episodes um, when we talked about that card uh, as, a, as a spoiler for uh, Crimson Moon. 
Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, <laughs> Crimson Vow. And uh, the YouTube commenter actually was said, it's like, you know, it, it, you get to choose zero on resolution, which I didn't I didn't think of at the time of, of recording that episode. So just a quick shout out to that YouTube commenter for giving me the spicy tech on that card. It's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you can cast it and then have the aristocrats player think they're going to lose all their boards. They start sacking everything. And then you go, oh, I'll just cast it for zero. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned that in an episode or not. I'm guessing not if uh, if somebody commented on that. Um, but yeah, uh, choosing is part of the resolution. So <clears throat> you can essentially play a good like fake out game that way. Yeah, that just made that card a lot better in in my eyes. So if you listen to that episode... After this one, uh, whatever I rated that card at, add two points to it because that's where it should be in my mind because it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. But anyway, no more throwbacks to that. Uh, Paul, you mentioned you got two cards out of your pack that kind of leads into our our video of the week kind of thing. So do you want to tell everyone what that card was again? Yeah, that was Eruth, Torment the Prophet. Uh, I actually got a regular one and I got the, uh, the Dracula flavored one. Uh, that is our newest video over on the YouTube channel. James did that one. Uh, I can't remember many details about it. Me and James had talked about this one for a little bit. And then one day he was just like, I'm going to do a Ruth of the channel. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it was that serious, but, uh, yeah. That video I didn't was think it was there. that serious either until I, uh, you know, texted, Hey, with three Y's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of old, old, uh, was a MSN messenger joke. Anyway, I want either hit or it missed. If it missed, I'm sorry. If, if it hit, welcome to the club. Um, yeah, it really wasn't that serious until I polled, uh, our Twitter and also our discord server to ask everybody like, what, what commander they wanted me to kind of brew. And they're like something new. And I was like, all right, crimson vow. They were like, out of these commanders, which one? And everyone is kind of, everyone picked a Ruth and I'm like, I already have a Ruth list. So I'll just do that one. Cause I made one up for, uh, for Michaela. Um, cause she's always telling me how much she wants a fun is it deck. So I keep building her fun is it decks and then I build them a little too strong because they have cards, they have themes in them that we're going to talk about today on this episode, um, of what, you know, makes these things so good because it's in that deck and I've, I play tested it a couple times and I've also played it in Calamax just to kind of iterate how good that card really is. Um, but yeah, it's a storm deck. It's pretty fun to play. Uh, you basically just want to, you know, like storm off as quickly as possible kind of thing. Um, yeah, go check it out on the YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash commander at arms. You'll find it there. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you never miss an upload from us, which is usually weekly. And starting very shortly, it's going to be every uh, two videos every... Uh, sorry, it should be three videos every week is what we should be doing, is what we will be doing. Because um, as you all know, uh, we announced it last week, we're going to be streaming over on twitch.tv. So go and follow us on there as well, which is twitch.tv slash commander at arms. Uh, we'll be streaming there every Wednesday night. Uh, I think it's 8.30 p.m. EST. You can catch us on there with some really cool uh, other content creators and our friends. So we can finally do what this podcast was set out to do, and that is to just open up all of our friends groups together so that we can just play magic with the rest of the world also i'm trying to uh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but i've i've been trying to come up with some cool ideas uh in the in my downtime and i've got a few spicy things brewing up uh i already talked to james about one uh that he and i both thought was a pretty cool idea so 
not sure how soon we'll be implementing that, but uh, that'll be one that you want to tune in for because it's something that I don't think anybody has made content for. And if anybody has, it's uh, not it's not something that is very popular. It's not very well known, but uh, you and I are going to tap a blue at instant speed and cast brainstorm about about that idea. Right, clever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, um, Paul. Do you have a play of the week this week? Have you played any Magic? Uh, I actually have not played Magic, uh, basically since that stream that you and I were on with uh, with Beth. So I don't really have a play of the week, and honestly, I can't even think about what it's like to play Magic cards right now because I just I haven't even touched one. Well, I guess I touched one yesterday for my birthday. Several actually, but I haven't <laughs> played them in a while. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Um, I. Got to play Magic with uh, Donnie and Jen from the was it MTG Filthy Casuals um, and Corey from the Commander Crew off stream. We just did it in our own time. We just, we just had some fun with it. Um, I played Calamax and just got so much incremental value until I was able to storm off and just win the game on with uh, Chandra's Ignition without even like going infinite. Just Calamax was big enough. He had a big old butt, and everyone was on such a low life total that just resolving a Chandra's Ignition won me the game, and I thought it was just, it was a lot of fun. Nothing really spicy particularly happened that game, but just the overall feeling of, like, how that game kind of progressed for me as the Calamax player, um, I was, I kind of stopped the table from untapping everything with uh, Arena of the Ancients, and that was a really fun card to resolve and everyone go, what is this card? Because that is the reason why I love playing Magic, and that's also the reason why I love playing Commander. And that's also the reason why I, uh, why I suggested that card for that deck when we first put it together. Yeah, it was <laughs> so good, because Jen was playing uh, a Voltron deck, and I was like, this stops it. And uh, Donnie, Donnie's Commander wanted to tap to create artifacts and stuff, and I was like, well, too bad, so, so sad, see you later. They're all going to go <laughs> tapped for a bit. Um, and Calamax untapped, like I just never untapped. And they're like, wow, that's really good. I was like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty spicy. Like, thanks Paul. Like you, you do always bring the Sriracha level spice to our decks. <laughs> yeah, that's so, just, that's the reason why I'm here, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not lying when our bio says like you bring the spiciest brews. Cause I mean, you do, you almost bring ghost peppers worth of spice. Um, Oof, that's, but anyway, that's a, that's a compliment now. <laughs> That's uh yeah that's really my play of the week uh that that game kind of rekindled my love for Calamax because I was kind of waning on a little bit I'm like uh this 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 deck kind of just like it's a little janky but I've taken some of the token generation out of it since episode four and kind of added a bit more like storm elements to it of just like casting spells and getting stuff out of it like again with a card we'll talk about soon um but with all of that said and done Paul do we want to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode Yeah I don't want this to turn into last week's uh, upkeep. Where it was like 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I could... <laughs> you get me behind a microphone and literally anything can happen. So let's get into our main phase one here. And uh, like we said at the start of the episode, we are talking about token... Sorry, artifact token generation. And if it's good or if it's a bad thing for Commander. So we kind of did some some researching here. We actually got this idea off of our Discord server... So shout out to our Discord members. Uh, L Bleezy is the guy who actually gave us the uh, the the episode idea for this one, and you would know him too because we did an interview with him. His name's Chris, and he's from the Command the Cause 
Uh, so go check them out as well. Um, go check out that episode with them. He's a really cool guy to hang out with. He, br- he brews some spicy stuff. And he wanted to, to have a talk about token generation in Commander. And so, uh, like I said, we did, some, uh, we did some research. And in every set in 2021, except for uh, Time Style Remastered, as Paul noted here, that it is a fully reprint set, uh, we had some degree of token generation through treasures, food, and clues, or combination of the three, we have about 79 cards come out in all of 2021. And if you account for Commander Legends, we actually had 85 cards coming out for that care about these three specific artifact tokens. Right, and Commander Legends, uh, that one didn't technically come out in 2021, um, but it came out like close enough to it that it's 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 somewhat relative. But even if you well, don't was... include Commander Legends, every single set that introduced new cards, and that's my way of excluding Time Spiral Remastered, had some form of treasure generation or food generation, clue generation, whatever the case may be, which is a little like insane to think that a, me- a mechanic that came out to flavor for pirates it yeah. consumed a, an, an entire year basically yeah because we went back and uh i actually asked you the question when we were researching researching this and said when did treasures even come out because i feel like treasures have just been always around um and they came out in x they started in the Ixalon block so Ixalon and rivals of Ixalon. right uh food started with throne of eldraine and clues actually started with shadows over innistrad for anybody that's curious where those came from i was actually curious about that one <laughs> man means i was playing in a pre uh, i came back to a pre uh clue token metal wow okay pretty crazy right clue is actually older than all these yeah i know right like it's like i feel like these things are just in every command every game that i play in commander has one or multiples of these cards and i mean if you look at uh was it academy manufacturer which is a three drop that came out of modern horizons 2 from uh from last year as well that thing cares about all three types and making the other two that you don't make. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you make a treasure? Well, he have a food and a clue at the same time. Oh, you made a clue token? He have a food and a treasure. Um, by the way, for the purposes of this episode, uh, we didn't actually just mention it by name just now because they're relatively new, but we will be including blood tokens um, just to, you know, because they are somewhat related, kind of a happy marriage of clues and food in a way. Um, but those will be included in our discussion, uh, not in the numbers we just listed, though. Yeah, we were specifically looking for, like, these were... You found out what kind of mechanic this was, too, Paul, didn't you? Yes. Uh, uh, when I was looking at... When I was researching the treasures, uh, they are apparently a deciduous mechanic, which I assume comes from deciduous forest, which uh, uh, they... I think they, like, they bloom... Not bloom, but they grow at certain times of the year. Uh Deciduous mechanics are ones that they can come back to if they need it for like flavor reasons or balance reasons. Uh, and treasures are apparently deciduous. Uh, fun fact of the day. I like having fun facts. Actually, fun fact. There was going to be a fun fact section at the start of the podcast, but we scrapped it for, uh, I think, Mail Day because that was more fun. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we talked about the good and like this. We're going to be talking about the good and the bad. Uh, what are some good things that we like about uh, treasure, to- treasure, food, and clue tokens? So... It's it's like I I put a lot of thought into this list, and I want to start with things that might not be immediately obvious to a newer player specifically. Um, mainly because if a, a new player coming in has these things already, so they might not be immediately obvious about the things that they 
fix slash patch, you know? So uh, I'm going to start off with resource balance. Um, one of the biggest killjoys in a commander game is when one player has significantly more resources than the other. Or to put that in a different perspective, when a player has way less resources than everybody else. Uh, it just doesn't make the game feel good. Uh, it kind of makes that person feel like they just want to go to the next game, and the other three players kind of feel bad. And it just leads to a, a what, what I would consider to be a, an overall negative experience for everybody. Uh, one of the things that Treasures Food and Clues and now Blood uh, help to accomplish is to mitigate resources. So if a player is color-screwed, uh, you know, a treasure will go a long way for that. If a player has a, uh, and I'm actually going to move into, I guess I'm actually moving into my next points, mana fixing and fixing bad hands. Uh, if a player has a really bad draw where they just can't draw any gas at all, blood helps with that. Um, clues help with that. Uh, if a player gets mana screwed or mana flooded, again, you have clues help with that. Blood helps with that. Uh, if a player is getting targeted and they need to gain some life, you've got food for that. Does blood gain your life, actually? I think it does, right? Uh, I will find I out. I have a foil right. blood token yeah. right here. Hold on. Uh, one tap, discard a card, sacrifice this artifact, draw a card. It does not. Uh, but still, you have food tokens for that. And there's actually a surprising amount of food support, uh, thanks to Throne of Eldraine. Uh, we also had Guillaume. Gomi printed yeah. recently. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about specific commanders. Uh, they also help mitigate with the weaknesses of certain colors. Like, historically speaking, red is pretty light on card draw. Um, now, granted, they don't have a ton of ways to produce certain artifacts, but now with, uh, with uh, Crimson Vow, I almost said Crimson Moon again. Don't know why I keep wanting to say that. I think it's because of Blood Moon. Um, now with Crimson Vow, they can make blood. And red doesn't really care about discarding cards. As a matter of fact, it's part of their color pie. But they get to draw cards for it now. Uh, but I'd also I'd also argue there, Paul, is like uh, red cards are also really good at creating treasures as well. Uh, and then if you add Academy Man uh, Academy Manufacturer to the mix, which is a colorless artifact, which you usually see played in artifact decks and other um, decks that you know that run low risk cards of getting treasures will give you clue tokens, and that's just two-mana draw a card, which is, I think, just as good as a blood token. Right, exactly. Which um, then gets you around, like, you know, uh, red's biggest fallback of being red is drawing cards and mana ramp, because you don't have the ramp in the ways of green, but now with the addition of having treasures and making an abundance of treasures, you're going to be making treasures and the clue tokens that you can then sack the treasures for to draw the cards that you need to then get you into everything else. Right. A couple more weaknesses of red are A, or sorry, I guess B at this point. Um, they don't typically ramp that well. Uh, and C, they don't really gain life, uh, which we just established. You now have ways of making food and red to gain life. And you have treasures, which help you ramp. So it's definitely, uh, oh, I should mention white card draw usually comes in the form of clues. That's like the easiest way they've ever made to actually quote fix and quote the card draw issue with white. Um, you know, you have cards like Thraben Inspector. Uh, uh, for ramp, you have the ever popular Smothering Tithe. <laughs> as much as I hate that card, you know, it has been an overall boon for the color. 
these tokens really do help patch those weaknesses in the color pie in a way that doesn't break the color pie, technically. Um, another good thing about them is they can easily slot these because they are colorless, and with the accession of blood tokens, which are pretty heavily flavored towards vampires, uh, treasures, food, clues can be thrown in basically anywhere uh, and be flavored for anything. And this is cool to help fix any balance issues they might run into, and it also uh, means that they can keep supporting archetypes without dedicating an entire set or block to them, you know, whatever the case may be. And it also leads to better feeling limited environments. You know, some limited environments feel really sluggish and, you know, it's an unfortunate consequence. But now with treasures, food, clues, whatever the case may be, those those formats generally feel pretty good. You know, it kind of feels like you're playing a little more on the constructed side of things because you can smooth out your draws, which in, in limited, it's kind of hard to... You know, it, it's hard to, to dedicate slots to card draw most of the time, but with clues or blood in this case, you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I built a whole deck based around these three uh, card types. I built Yarrick the Desecrated, which is literally got token generation coming out of its ass uh, in the ways of like getting... Uh, treasure tokens, clue tokens, and food tokens. And I use them to gain life draw cards and ramp myself even further than what, you know, a usual Yarrick deck does. Because uh, I can, if I do get uh, mana screwed, I have the tokens to help me get into everything else. If I get mana flooded, I've at least got stuff on the board that I can uh, use to draw cards to get me into spells that I'm no longer flooded because now I have, you know, an, an overabundance of spells to mana ratio. So, I mean, the the addition of these card types to Commander, I think, has definitely helped, uh, like, deck construction and also uh, the overall feeling of how a game of Commander goes, realistically. I would even go so far as to say that clues should probably be evergreen. Um, I think that's just one of the best feeling things they've ever done. Uh I don't think they're that broken. And honestly, it's something I don't mind seeing Commander. Uh, there aren't things that abuse clues. At least not yet. Hopefully never. Um, there are things, obviously, I care about artifacts in general. But the clues themselves, they've really helped colors that need card draw get to it. Um, treasures are a little more egregious. But we'll we'll get to that in, uh, in main phase two right now. We're just talking about... Good things, good vibes that we get yeah. from these. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to keep it all positive and, and happy. But I mean, one of the one or three of these uh, usually pop up in every commander game that I've played. I don't think I've ever played a game where someone hasn't made a treasure token within the first six turns. Uh, That's actually a myself. really good point. I, I didn't think about that. I haven't played a commander game in a long time where there hasn't been a treasure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like the thing is, it's like 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 we said, it, every single standard set that came out in twenty twenty one uh had treasure tokens so we have an abundance of treasure tokens hanging around so it's not like anyone's really like you know missing out when someone needs a treasure token at the table because i'm sure like you could walk into a game store see people playing commander and walking with a stack of treasures and just start throwing at people because everyone needs a treasure token at some point yeah it's almost one of those tokens that you can sleeve up because you're gonna use it so much i have mine sleeved because i do use it so much <laughs> like every deck that i like legitimately so the way that i have my decks is 
they're in their deck boxes. And then I have a little uh, divider that comes with the deck, bo the deck box that I use. And then I have this, I have uh, the tokens in them. And every single deck I create, the first thing I do is get my lands and my treasure token. Because at some point, every deck that I play has a freaking treasure token in it somewhere. And it's not even by like trying to do it. It's on accident most of the time. But I mean, yeah, I have them all sleeved because who knows? They might get damaged and there might be in a, like... A low shortage supply of treasure tokens at one day. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, for me, it's just like, oh, that dude's got sleeve tokens. Oh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's me, but I'm secretly not knowing what the hell's going on with my game and usually just like twiddling my thumbs and making myself look like a threat. Um but yeah, I mean I I I I like treasure tokens and I like them and I like the ability to make tokens so easily and so quickly and i mean i'm the first person to try and hoard as many tokens as possible i've done it i've i've i have done it on stream there are videos on youtube of me like having 69 or 70 treasure tokens on my field and then having nothing to do with them because i mean the deck wasn't working the way that i wanted it to um but still like i had an abundance of treasure tokens and what what happened to them Corey took my turn and uh you know cracked them for me <laughs> <laughs> and floated blue mana and i was what a good guy Orzov. <laughs> what a what a fantastic dude you know he just makes the spice plays and i'm i'm here for it i'm really here for it J just as a just as a side point here um because we are talking about the abundance of these tokens so just to just to kind of bring it back to that a little bit i, I want to say that a lot of it's a lot of its popularity has come from uh, not just that the the treasures themselves are useful, but they they've flavored them towards dragons now too, reasonably so, because um, dragons are known for hoarding treasure. Uh, which, given how popular of a creature type pirates and dragons are now, is probably why you see so many treasures. Right? People love. That's dragons very and fair. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a goldspan dragon get resolved, but I have seen a, a Gadrek get resolved before as well. And then when you see, see people play like uh, Admiral Breckett, Beckett to Brass, you see a lot of treasure tokens in, in that deck. Um, Corvold. Corvold, yeah. Fakers King, he is also a, 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 I was going to say, he's also a treasure. No, he's also a dragon. <laughs> but then you've got like uh, Malcolm from Commander Legends as well, which I know didn't come out in 2021, but still very very uh popular pirate commander and i mean you've got everybody's favorite red drop that makes treasure tokens what is it paul are you talking about ragavan yes 100 oh, okay. <laughs> ragavan is definitely a two is it no it's a, ragavan's a one drop isn't he uh one drop with dash for one and a red yeah i was talking about dockside oh well ragavan too <laughs> <laughs> two red cards that make treasure tokens fantastically uh yeah i mean they're good they help games flow a bit more they make them uh they kind of mitigate the feels bad about playing commander sometimes like you do get flooded and you're like ah oh, damn it i really wish i had a, a you know a big creature to play or i had this spell to play all of a sudden you can draw some cards and you can get into them oh i'd don't have enough mana to play my expropriate to win the game. Oh, hold on a second. Here's a card that says create three treasures. Now I've got the extra three mana. I was, I was on six. Now I'm on nine. Next turn, let's expropriate and win the game because that card wins games. So does food chain. Um, but anyway, there mm. are just some, there are a lot of things that they do right, but there are a lot of things that they also do wrong. 
um, that we will get into very shortly uh, as I'm kind of segueing this to our main phase two here. Um, so before we kind of get into what they do wrong, stick around for that. But right now, uh, Paul, do you have anything else you wanted to say before we get into the negative sides of these tokens? Um, just that I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to like, I'm going to preface main phase two in main phase one by saying that uh, uh, they do bring more good overall than bad to the format and i want to emphasize that now while we're talking about good things uh yeah we don't we just want to get into main phase two and just completely shit on them at all because <laughs> that's just that's not what we're here for but we've always got to hype you up and then let you down just a little bit and then bring you back up again so you know it's it's the constructive criticism going on here at the podcast um, um so with all that, that said priority. and done what was that other than that i'll pass priority all right cool yeah uh with all of that said and done uh let's Go through it at our combat phase. Uh, swing Ragavan at Paul. Uh, I'm pretty low on life. I'll crack a few foods in response. Excellent. That's not what I wanted you to do. I'll, I'll crack two treasures to crack my food. Oh, <laughs> See how good that is? You get to draw a card now. And it might have been a removal spell for my Ragavan. <laughs> You're thinking of clues. Uh, <laughs> and we'll go in here and message from our sponsors right now. Welcome back from that ad break. We're going to get through to our main phase two and kind of go into our discussion of the downsides of all these token generators. Um, so, Paul, you wrote this script. I'm going to let you kind of kick this discussion off here. What have you got written down? Yeah, script is a strong word for a collection of words that I have here. Um, okay, I'm sorry. You have the <laughs> post-it note idea threshold of this episode. Actually, uh, if anyone knows like the Charlie Day meme from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's like going crazy with the pins and everything on the on the wall. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> that's about what our scripts are, except less chaotic. It's like two post-it notes kind of got pins in them. And that's it. Uh, all right. So I want to start off with one of the very first points I actually brought up. Uh, when we decided to talk about this, and that is uh, having generically strong or good effects on relatively low-risk cards that also happen to have easy activation requirements uh, can lead to some players getting out of control re uh, pretty fast, uh, especially if there's a critical mass of those cards. So, like, clues and food, I don't think we're at that point yet, but treasures, we're definitely at that point where we have a critical mass of treasure-producing or treasure-loving cards. Uh, and a lot of them are pretty efficient to the point where they have seen play or are seeing play in standard, looking at you, Goldspan Dragon. Um, and some of them are just like more on the oppressive side, looking at <clears throat> Smothering Tithe. Um, but either way, there are so many cards that produce treasures or care about treasures um, as a matter of fact, uh, using the numbers that we said in main phase one, uh, you actually we're actually at a point where you can have a deck where every single non-land card, even a couple lands, can be cards that either create or care about treasures, which is crazy for something that came out in Ixalan and I'm assuming was not even intended to be as popular of a mechanic as it is. Like it was literally just for pirates. And now we're at this point where you can have just a, a, a hoarding deck. Um, like a real dragon horde deck. <laughs> you are the dragon. Play yeah, form, exactly. Play form. Honestly, if you want a cool deck idea, play a deck where you have form of the dragon and you just hoard treasures. I'm just going to put it out there. Anyway, um, 
what 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 somebody considers a strong effect is probably relevant to the person. But I would say anything that lets you draw cards uh, relatively easily or produce uh, a metric butt ton of mana uh, also relatively easily uh, for seemingly little uh, like. I don't really know what I'm going for here. Uh, I don't want to say low risk again, but like uh, putting putting that card in your deck doesn't really weaken the deck. You know, you're not really sacrificing. There's there's low opportunity cost. There we go. That that's what I was trying to say. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just thank yourself I for did. thinking of a word. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Um, Excellent. And I think cards like that are ones that should not be taken lightly either by players or by the design staff. And I'm not, don't worry, I'm not saying that they're doing a crappy job. I'm just saying that I actually think they're doing a good job. And I appreciate that they understand that treasures are popular. And I hope they continue to handle that pretty well. But w- where we stand, we already have too many treasures, I think. And yeah, I mean, if they took like two to three sets off, like if they did no treasure tokens, or any of these like treasure clues or foods in the ne- in this year's worth of magic things, magic things, magic products. I still think we would be we wouldn't we wouldn't be worried about it. We wouldn't be like, well, where did treasure go? Remember those yesteryears of you know next last week when we used to play treasures? It wouldn't be a thing because people would still be playing Dockside Extortionist, Smothering Tithe, uh, and Double Token Effects. I mean, you've got Zorn from AFR, which cares about whenever you make one treasure token, you get a second one. Uh, you know, you've got Stormkill artist for Storm decks. It's just like, hey, you want to you want to cast or copy an instant sorcery spell? Get a treasure for it. Why not? That's just it's. Yeah. There's no like Paul said. There's no there's no downside of putting that into a Storm deck. I mean, I like like talking about like the Calamax play that I did at the start of the of the episode. I took out a token generator out of a token generator deck, <laughs> and the deck runs better than what it ever did before because I have that critical mass of just value happening whenever I cast an instant or sorcery. Oh, I cast a one drop. Well, it was technically free because I get that back, you know, cast a brainstorm. I get to look at the top three, put two of them back, keep one of them. And I got my mana back for it as well that I can use in an, in, in another turn. So yeah, like just, just, just to give you an idea of how powerful these cards are at base value. Like imagine Dockside extortion has said still same mana cost, same power and toughness, same everything. Except it's, I almost said Battle Cry, too much Hearthstone. Uh, it's, it's, it's ETB was create a tre- same thing, except at the end it said, then you lose one life for each artifact you control. Would people Oof. still play that card? Yes. Absolutely. 100% yes, because we start at 40 life. If you lose seven life, who cares? But that's and- that's a testament to how good that card is you know i think exactly. even if you applied the same thing to storm killed artists like whenever you made magecraft blah 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 make a treasure then lose a life lose a life people would still play that absolutely 100 yeah. i'd cast no four, i would cast 41 spells i'd get 41 treasures from it i'd also die but i'd have the treasures <laughs> and i'd be okay with that uh, i mean you know storm killed artist was one of the cards that i had on the field when i played calamax and it was just like oh i'm gonna play this spell i'm gonna get two mana back out of it because i had veyer and voice of duality as well veyer and voice of duality tapped calamax and a storm killed artist on the field any spell i played was just netting me more and more mana to then be able to get into more and more of my cards because 
spoiler alert, I love to draw cards, and that deck loves me to draw cards. Uh, anyway, move, moving on from this point, because I think we've talked this one to death. Um, yeah, we have. It also, uh, I, we are, again, talking mostly about treasures here, but to a degree, clues also included here. Get it? Included? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's bad. I tried to ignore it, but I couldn't. It's, it's bad, and I love it. Um, the, the, these just promote, in general, like, greedier mana bases and greedier deck building overall uh, because a lot of people think, like, oh, I can filter through my deck quickly. I have a lot of ways to make treasure. I don't need that many lands, and the lands that I have, they can be, like, cool colorless lands that provide a lot of utility. Um, and th- like a lot of the slots in the decks themselves are now dedicated to these cards that help promote those greedier mana bases, right? So like your Doxide Extortionists, your Smothering Ties, your, uh, Ragavans, That's I suppose is a good like, one. Can you, can you name like treasure, t- treasure generation cards without naming Smothering Tithe or, uh, Doxide Extortionist? I mean, it's no surprise. Those are the two most popular <laughs> treasure making cards. Oh um, yeah, they are. Uh, Goldspan Dragon. There you go. Goldspan Dragon's a really good one. Hey, you want treasures to be even better? Here, make me crack one and get two mana out of it instead. I've even seen people play like I don't even know. I don't remember what the card is called. Like Wily Pirate, Wily Goblin. I can't remember. It's like a two red mana one one that makes a treasure when it comes into play. Just as like a a mana dork that they can use later. It's it's crazy. And it's like a that's like a ritual mana dork at that point because it still gives you the treasure, but you don't have to use it. You only get it once, so it's like a ritual effect at that point. Yeah, but like I've I've legitimately seen people play that card. Yeah. Um. And I know I I have a lot to say about this topic. I think like this part of the of the 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 script that you wrote is this is kind of where I'm at with with this as well because you and I had a discussion before the episode, right? And uh, in my more quote-unquote competitive decks, I run like 30, 31 lands, but I also run very low-to-the-ground creatures, uh, but also run ways to get a metric butt-ton of treasure tokens so that I can use them in later turns whenever I need them, um, which does, you know, uh, I wrote like... It was uh, promotes greedy and mana bases in deck building overall question mark. And I wrote fewer lands and more interaction slash synergy cards because it's getting to that double edged knife blade where you have less lands, but you have more spells, but then you need more mana generation throughout. So you're using your lands to cast spells that on the, you know, as the cantrip side of them, they make treasures to replace the mana that you, you didn't have in your deck originally, which then leads to stronger and stronger decks. Um, because your non your non land permanents and your non land non land spells then uh, create you treasure tokens that you can then progress your board state without having to add that extra th- you know thirty fourth land in your deck so you can add that removal spell or you can add that you know that aristocrats piece or that combo piece or whatever or that tutor to go and find something. Now I'm not I'm not saying that a greedy mana base is a bad thing. No, like, and neither am I, just to just to kind of jump in there. I'm not either. Um, but what I don't like is when it results in the, that game I described before in main phase one, where you have one player that's like so far behind because they have that greedy mana base, and now everybody feels bad for them. Um, but like, you know, in a way, they kind of did it to themselves. Not, not trying to be, uh, you know, a... Uh, 
a, a mean person about it, but sometimes, and you know, the other players wouldn't know this without looking through the whole deck. Sometimes it's that player's fault. Like I, um, I was, I was actually playing with a, a, a Memnarch player at my LGS one time and, uh, they were stuck on, I want to say it was like two lands, maybe three lands for like four or five turns. Um, and I offered, as I usually do, I was like, hey, like, if the table's cool with it, I'll let you cascade for a land and let him do that. And I was like, at the, at the end, of the, he, ended up, he ended up winning, actually. And at the end of the game, I was like, uh, it, well, he wanted me to take a look at his deck because it was his favorite deck. He was proud of it. It was a cool deck. Everything, every single card in there was signed, even the basic lands. It was really cool. And I was like, how many lands are running here? He's like, uh, like 30. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I feel a little worse about that. Uh, <laughs> cascading for a land thing now. Um, anyway, that was just a little bit of a tangent, I suppose. It has nothing to do with treasures. Um, I mean, it does in the way that you could talk about mulligans in the same in the same factor because people are keeping greedier and greedier hands due to being able to uh, get some sort of generation of tokens in so easily. Um, I think, like in my mono red artifact ready deck i will keep a one land hand if i see a a any sort of mana rock and a dock side because that just explodes me into mana i mean that deck is one where i run like 26 lands and don't judge me uh it's very very low but there are times where i've had 14 mana on turn three um because of just the amount of rocks and everything I play in that, but also the amount of um, treasures I've gotten off of Dockside in the first couple of turns, which helped me get into more rocks. But anyway, um, there was this discussion about mulligans that kind of came up and, uh, you know, if that player had been playing more lands back when that was a thing, would that have still have been a thing? If that makes any sense. Mm, this sounds like a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to add little ties of little, you know, little nods and kind of like questions for later episodes in these episodes, as everybody knows. Um, uh, mo- yeah, moving I mean, on from the, uh, the greedy mana base though, because again, I don't, I don't want to talk about any one of these too much, which I think I actually already have. Um, unless James, did you have a concluding point you wanted to put on that? No, some decks you need to run more lands, just run more lands. Keep it at like, I, I, I would say 36 for casual decks, 100%. If you're running any lower than that, you're probably starting to get a little bit too too focused. And if you ignore James and want the correct amount, run 38 lands. Hey, don't ignore James. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about sometimes. Not all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, moving on to our, our final, I guess, negative point here, uh, which is actually, as James pointed out, one of the things that also makes treasures good. Um, they increase game speed, uh, and you know, it, but on the negative side, you know, everybody loves faster games. So you get to play more games, but if that game is so fast for that single player where they can just like outvalue the whole board and get a huge lead on everybody, even if they don't intend to, and James pointed out here, smothering tithe, which is one of those cards, you know, somebody plays that turn three or four, all of a sudden they untap on their turn with an additional three mana at the very least possibly more if you if if a player draws extra cards and suddenly they've gone even if they cast it on curve on turn four they've gone from four mana to seven at a minimum uh eight if they play land you know to put that in perspective imagine 
back in like 2013, if Aloro, Ageless Ascetic, had a Smothering Tithe and you could cast it on turn four, that would have been format warping. <laughs> and now it's like not even that good. Yeah, but like that, like, you know, imagine like now you play a seven drop commander on turn four casually. Like that's just a thing that happens consistently. Uh, not to not to brag or anything here, Paul, but I've I've cast a seven drop commander. I've on cast turn old bone on turn two. Yeah, I know. I've been there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I was. Yep, I have. I've cast it on turn two. Can <laughs> get there. <laughs> two lands, dual lotus, and a mana crypt. See you later. <laughs> seven drop commander, seven seven flying dragon coming right at your face to make seven treasures. Again, seven treasures because old Norbone is just one hell of a one hell of a uh, a treasure a treasure creator. But yeah, like what I said is like what also like what makes treasures so good also kind of makes them bad. Uh, you know, we're all talking about like the power creep and everything in in Commander and like the time it takes to play a game of Commander is now so much faster. I think the the fastest game I've played recently was like forty five minutes to an hour, and that was it. It was done and dusted. You know, people that I are playing with now, uh, content and non-content creators, uh, we're starting to see plays, big, like, game-breaking, not game-breaking, but game-ending plays starting to happen around turn four and five in a casual game of Commander. This used to be, like, a lot later in the game, like, turn eight and turn nine and everything, Um, with turns happening so fast because of, like, mana because of like treasure creation and like just faster gameplays it kind of uh it's kind of turning commander into like four player modern i guess or like legacy i guess more of a legacy is there. more accurate because of the card pool um yeah that's fair you did bring up that the fastest game you played was about 45 minutes to an hour yeah and i'm going to politely remind you of the turgrid game that you played with uh... well i <laughs> look I, I was meaning like <laughs> <laughs> okay that so the fastest game fast. i have played was like a five minute game <laughs> uh and that's because i was a total jerk and i decided that i wanted to just be a total jerk uh, <laughs> that's when james went a, too I, far into the dark side and he didn't even like it <laughs> yeah i saw the abyss staring back at me and i went no nah, i'm good <laughs> um I peered, I peered into the abyss the abyss stared back and i went oh i'm out of here <laughs> Um, I don't really have anything else to offer on that, so I guess all I want to do at this point is just offer uh, a closing opinion, which is not something that we usually do, but uh, I feel it's important here because there's been a lot of info. So uh, I, I kind of touched on this beginning at the end of main phase one, but I think that these are an overall positive force in Commander. Um, I think that for all the bad they do, the the positives that they bring to the format are much more important. Uh, you know, I come from the times of Commander where red literally could not draw cards. White could not draw cards. Uh, green was the only color, really, that could ramp. Uh, blue was the uh, most interactive color because they had counter spells and they had, you know, like bounce spells and removal. Um, white was one of the most popular removal colors. Uh, black was right up there with it. And I hated that colors were so limited by 
ju- like just because they were that color. And I hated the idea that you had to play like, oh, well, if you want to draw cards in, in white, just you know play a blue-white commander. You get the blue card draw in there. I hated that. I, I, I was in standard at that time. It was Return to Ravnica in standard and uh, Theros. I played a Bant Tokens deck. And literally the blue was just so I could play card draw. I hated that. Um, and I'm really glad that Commander's in a place where you don't have to do that. Um, I do, in saying that, hope that Wizards pays very close attention to the cards that they design, and I hope going forward there's not another <clears throat> Dockside Extortionist or uh, <laughs> uh, Smothering Tithe. Dockside Tithe. It's a creature that ETBs makes you a treasure and then makes you two treasures whenever someone draws a card i just broke the game i mean yeah like they would never print something like that i don't think anyway. <laughs> uh yeah i mean you got you got a pretty good closing thought there mine ban all treasure cards just do it just get rid of them all see what commander's like for six months without without any any treasure token generation at all i'll do it we should do it paul that'd be an interesting uh deck building uh we should do it. We should do it for the stream. Like seriously, we should we should do a game where we're restricted by having no cards that create treasure tokens. Okay, I'll play. See game. how it goes. Yeah, all right. Hang on, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I, Most I, of my I, decks I don't even lost. create treasures because I'm I'm an old fogey. Oh, all right then. Anyway, I just don't update my decks. That's really what it is. <laughs> That's also fair. Uh, if you want to join this discussion, and if you're with Paul and you think treasures are cool, and if you're with me and you think treasures should be banned, then uh, let us know on Twitter. And Instagram at CMDR at Arms. Uh, don't forget to go to our YouTube channel. You can check out all of our deck techs, and these episodes go up there as well. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and ring that notification bell so you never miss an upload from us here at the Commander at Arms studio. If you want to get cards online shipped to your house directly while also supporting your local game stores and us here in the studio, you can do that through our TCG affiliate link, which is tcgplayer.com slash commander at arms. If you want to rock commander at arms logo across your chest on a super comfortable Bella canvas uh, t-shirt, you can go to the link in the show notes below or the description on this video to check out our Bad Fred Design Co. Etsy page, which hosts our shirts. Also go check out their uh, their deck boxes and all their other cool magic related merch. Um, if you want to support the show directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash commander at arms. Like I said at the start of the video, patrons get access to all of our merch stuff first and get exclusives that uh, no one else is going to see. We also have a Discord server that you guys get to join and play Magic with us. And uh, maybe or maybe not, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you'd be able to jump on the stream with us uh, here and play some games with Paul and myself. And you get to pick the theme, whatever you want. It's all up to you. Uh, don't forget to also follow us on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash commander at arms. We will, we will be streaming uh, as of February 2nd, I believe it is, uh, 8.30 p.m. EST. Come and check that out. We'll be streaming for a couple of hours, probably until about midnight-ish. Um, and yeah, our first guest. Actually, Paul, this is probably a really good time to, to mention our first guest. Uh, do you, do you want to introduce them for us? Yeah, our first uh, uh, guest is actually uh, Corey from Commander Crew. Um, he's been such a loyal fan for so long, perhaps our most loyal fan, um, without even knowing us personally. Uh, so when me and James were discussing the idea of streaming, 
uh, we thought it would be very fitting for our most, most loyal fan to be our very first guest. Yeah, uh, we'll also have uh, Jason from the Commander Hub as well. So all the links will be in the um, the stream for that night as well. So uh, yeah, we were promoting the hell out of it on the before it comes up. We were all doing the back of house stuff as well. Uh, but with all that said and done, Paul, do you have anything you want to say to the listeners before we peace out for the week? Yes, of course. Uh, you all know the, the usual spiel that I give. Um, and I know I say it a lot, but I mean it every time. It really means a lot to me and James, even if you take five minutes out of your day to sit down and listen to us, because it's something you didn't have to do. It's time you could have spent doing anything else. But you chose to spend it sitting here listening to our heavenly voices. Um, so we thank you for that. Uh, and also, just thank you to everybody for listening, no matter where you are. Um, thank you for giving us a chance. Thank you for, you know, putting us on while you're doing a drive or whatever. And, you know, if you enjoyed what you just heard, uh, go ahead, spread our name around, you know, go to your LGS, say, hey, I just listened to these cool guys, Paul and James. One of them's Australian. The other one is just some American dude. Uh, <laughs> they just talked about uh, treasures. And maybe, you know, even for flavor reasons, maybe say that while you're making a couple of treasures. Maybe you got Stormkill artists out and you're storming off. I don't know. Uh, but just get our name out there, uh, bring other people into our community, uh, bring yourself into our community as well. We always love to hear from different people. Me and James always say the best part about being part of the community is being able to hear so many different opinions on everything magic. Cause there, there really are just so many opinions that people can have. Uh, so thank you for spreading our name around and thank you for tuning in. Yeah. And definitely thank you for tuning in. Uh, Side note there, Paul, you mentioned uh, for all, all, all around the world, uh, I did our 2021 wrapped for the Commander Arms podcast uh, a couple of weeks back, and we got our first listener from France. Whoa, uh, 2021. France. And I was, I was pretty, pretty impressed by that. Um, so yeah, but as Paul says, we love being a part of the community and love hearing all the feedback. I've been inundated with uh, comments on our YouTube videos. Um, so yeah, keep it up. Uh, we've also had them spill over to our DMs on Twitter as well. Um, so yeah, please keep it up and keep it going. And we love the momentum that we're getting in, in the start of 2022. Nothing but good things to, to come from here. And with all that said and done, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. And remember, arm yourself with knowledge. Peace. See ya.